Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we are busy with our series on Ephesians and it's, uh, it's been an awesome time. Um, to just uh, yeah, just get into get into the series and and really study out the word together. And I want to invite you, like I said, um, let's 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 share, let's partake. Um, if something blesses you, post it through the chat there. Um, respond with a, a hand clap or a, a heart or something like that. And uh, let's encourage one another together this morning as we partaking of the word. Amen. So the book of Ephesians. Um, just a quick recap. Firstly, if you haven't been part of the series at all and you kind of don't know where we are at, uh, we're in the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter one. We're going to finish off chapter one this morning. And um, just want to get my view ready here quickly. There we go. Um, and the, it's important. It's so important to understand the, the compilation, um, the message of the Bible, how the, how the Bible uh, is laid out for us. Otherwise, it's just a confusing book, right? Um, I'm sure some of you have uh, gone to the Bible before. And you're like, wow, that's confusing. Um, if it hasn't been this past week, uh, I'm sure some, somewhere in your life, you're like, man, that doesn't make sense. Uh, and it's so important, vitally important to understand the, 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 the purpose of the Bible, the message of the Bible, the message of the Bible. If you haven't figured this out yet, it's the message of Jesus. It's the message of salvation through, uh, through faith in Christ and Christ alone. That's the message of the Bible. And as we, um, go through the Bible, whether the Old Testament, the scriptures, whether the gospels and, uh, acts and then the epistles, um, we need to understand, um, where are we reading from? What's the purpose? How does this part of the Bible fit into the message of the Bible? And the epistles really is an explanation. It's, of a mystery that's been revealed. Like I said uh, early on, uh, that mystery that's been uh, uh, concealed for generations in the old is the mystery of the spirit of God living in man. That's been revealed to us. And as we go through this amazing um, letter to the uh, church of Ephesus, we really see two key things, two key themes in the first three uh, chapters. We've got the in him realities and the identity of the believer, the identity, Found on this and really emphasizes identity and then chapters four to six is a um is really then the kind of unfolding of that the manifesting of that the 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 transformation of that because we are in christ because we are connected with him because this is how we can bear the fruit of christ in chapters uh four to six then just a quick recap on last week we looked at verses uh, 10 to 16 and we are going to um, just jump into a few of those verses again this morning. But we had this awesome picture and we saw this awesome reality that God from the beginning of time had one plan. He didn't have many plans. He had one plan. He had one desire. And that was the reality of the spirit of God living inside of man. And that's really like a, it uh, simplifies our faith. Uh, it simplifies just what we believe about God. That that was always God's plan from the beginning of time. And as we as we see that as the plan, we can go to the Bible and really discover these things and see that, man, it was always God's desire to be united, to be one with man, every spirit living inside of us. We looked at the gospel specifically um, in a few verses and what the gospel message means uh, and how the gospel leads to salvation. And we need to respond to that. Obviously, it's not just preaching the gospel, but 
the the year of the gospel needs to respond. They need to believe in the gospel. And salvation isn't just a, a, a ticket to go to heaven one day. Uh, salvation isn't just kind of a, 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 a what do you call it? Uh, a lifestyle, even so to speak. It is a new life. It's a changed life. It's a transformed life. Because you no longer have a dead spirit. You no longer have a spirit uh, 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 that drives you to want to sin. That sinful nature has been crucified with Christ and you've now received the righteous nat- nature. You've got to change life. And we need to just uh, uh, respond to the gospel and then that is the, 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 the byproduct. That is salvation. It is hearing the gospel, the message about Christ coming to die for the sins of the world, being resurrected and making available the spirit of God to live in man. And responding to that, believing that, and you receive the Spirit of God. Amen. Um, it's really awesome. The parable of, of the wise man and the fool, and this really um, links in with hearing the gospel, responding to the gospel. Um, it's so important. Jesus tells this parable of the wise man and the fool. And most of you would know this parable. It's in Matthew chapter chapter 7. We're not going to look at the, the whole parable, just two verses, verse 24 and verse 26. Verse 24 says, so everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them, obeying them, will be like a sensible, prudent, practical, wise man who built his house upon the rock. Now, firstly, this is a parable. And this parable is really linked to the the gospel in essence. And if you hear these words, if you hear the gospel and you obey the gospel, now obeying the gospel and acting upon the gospel isn't religious works. Obeying is just belief at the end of the day, because belief is going to lead to actions. Oftentimes we want to act, but there isn't a belief that supports that acting per se. Now, James talks about that, that faith without works, faith without corresponding actions is dead. It means that it's nothing. So we need to realize that if we believe something, there is going to be corresponding actions. It's just one of those things. If you believe uh, that we had Adam and at 9.30 a.m., all of you believe that that's why you're in this meeting, right? If you didn't believe we had a meeting this morning, then you wouldn't be here. So whatever you believe leads to actions. Now, if we believe the gospel, if we believe what that means for us, we're going to also know that it needs to lead to specific actions uh, and transformation. But it always starts with believing. And when you, don't, when you see a disconnect maybe between what you believe and your actions and how you're living, don't try and go and manipulate the actions. Find out whether you're believing the truth. Find out whether what you're believing is actually in line with the word of God. Because oftentimes we've got distorted beliefs and that distortion of a belief leads to uh, a distortion of the flow to produce the fruit, right? If you look at a tree, you don't focus on the fruit to get nice fruit. You focus on the root. If the root is healthy, if the soil is healthy, is the, uh, uh, if that is healthy, then the tree will by, by default also be healthy. So, um, But we need to realize and uh, make sure what we believe is in the line with the word of God, not just some nice philosophy. Um, we want to believe the word of God because that is the source of life. God is the creator of life. And as we come in alignment with him and we are joined to him, we are growing in our understanding 
And we're going to look at that a little bit later, but this is vitally important. So there's going to be an obedience to hearing something, hearing the words. Jesus says, if you hear my words, if you hear these things and you obey them, you'll be like a wise man. Then verse 26 says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them or does not obey them will be like a stupid, foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And then obviously we know that the storms came, the winds came, circumstances came. It wasn't a matter of if they're going to come. It's a matter of when. And there are some things that you are maybe challenged with right now, some storms that you are going through, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your life, in your business, whether it's in your relationships. There might be some storms and things that have come against your life in that sense. And the awesome thing is if we've believed the gospel and what that means for us, and what I mean by the gospel is we believe in Jesus Christ and the spirit of God living inside of us, our houses are built upon the rock. And nothing can shake us. Nothing can change uh, uh, what we, ex- uh, or nothing can um, determine and shape our emotions and things like that, other than the word of God and the promise of that reality, the spirit of God living inside of us. But what I wanted to share with um, this parable specifically is there were two men. They both heard the same thing. It doesn't, it doesn't help just hearing something. It doesn't help if someone just hears the gospel. We need to respond to the gospel. We need to respond to, and that response is faith. We need to respond in faith to the word of God, to the leading of God. Because just because you receive the spirit of God, just because you become born again, doesn't mean that God removes your free will from you. So for the rest of your life, because you've got the spirit of God inside of you, for the rest of your life, you're going to get to still make decisions. Yes, you made a decision to believe on Jesus Christ, And believe on him as your Lord and your salvation. But for the rest of your life, you're going to get to make decisions to be led by the spirit. Make decisions that are in line with the word of God or decisions that are just carnal in nature or just um, uh, being led by your emotions or being led by um, the the lust of the flesh or, or things like that. So it's important to realize that we need to respond. We need to believe something And from that place, there will be actions uh, flowing. So with the gospel, um, we need to have people realize that it's not just the ministry of the gospel, but we want people's hearts to be open to actually receive it. Otherwise, it's not going to change or do anything um, for him. And then lastly, also just looked at how we've been marked with the Holy Spirit. And uh, you guys can get the, um, the teaching online. So this morning, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 from the New Living Translation says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for God's people everywhere. So we looked at this uh, last week a little bit, but I just really felt like um, just to kind of cement this even further into our hearts this morning. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, Paul heard something. Their reputation went before them. What was their reputation? It was a reputation of strong faith and a love for God's people everywhere. And I want to pray into this specifically this morning, Father, that I pray that us as a community and us as uh, as individuals, as children of God, firstly, but also as a community, our reputation will go before us, Father, for people with strong faith and people with a love for one another, love for God's people, but not just for God's people, Father, but also for uh, the people who haven't come into the family of God. People who are still um, living on the other side of, of believing on Jesus Christ. And I just pray that, that this will really become a reputation for us as a community, as a people. 
And I just invite every person who, who desires this to have a reputation of strong faith in Jesus Christ, not strong faith in a whole bunch of things, strong faith in Jesus Christ and a love for God's people. Any person who wants to, to have a reputation for this right now, just respond in your heart and say, yes, Lord, that is for me. I want that. I desire that. Thank you, Father, for this, that we can be a people with this reputation. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says, When you're placed into the anointed one and joined to him. Now, when does that happen? When are you placed into the anointed one? When are you joined to him? It's good to ask questions because uh, by asking these questions and answering them, we can identify whether we've got the right belief or maybe a, a kind of a, a wrong belief. And uh, it's not about right and wrong as much as it's about life and death. Amen. So the things we believe is either going to lead to life or death. In the beginning of time uh, in Deuteronomy, you see this, that, that God um, declared to, to, to the people that because of the fall of man, there is now two decisions. There's death and there's life. There's blessings and there's curses. But God says, choose life. He gives us the answer. There's two options. In life, it will always be a matter of death or life. And God says, choose life so that you can live, so that you can enjoy this. So um, we are placed into uh, to an anointed one. We join to him when we believe. And that's a simple Romans 10 verse 9 and uh, 10 talks about this. It's by heart, believe, mouth, confession. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By grace you are saved through faith. And that is uh, Ephesians 1, 13 also talks about uh, we've, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit when we believe. And that's really important for us to understand that we've been placed into anointed one. We are joined with him. Circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. Nothing you do can benefit you. That's important. Circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. All that matters. Say this with me. All that matters. Now, obviously, I can't hear you guys, and I don't see uh, many people on my, on my screen right now, but all that matters. You need to realize all that matters now are living in the faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. All that matters now, living in the faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. If you want faith activated in your heart, you need to understand and come to know and grow in the love that God has got for you. Not your love for God. Forget about that. Your love for God will be a natural byproduct. You won't be able to contain your love for God when you come to know his love for you. That's beautiful. That's something that we need to realize. We need to grow in his love for us because that is what activates faith in our hearts, in our lives, leads us to action, leads us to respond. And then we see this in uh, verse 22 as well, the fruit of the spirit. But the Passion Translation uh, paints a, a beautiful picture of this for us. It says, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit. So firstly, it's the Holy Spirit that produces. It's not you. It's not me. But we have the Holy Spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love. Pause. Divine love. It is always love. Divine love. And the passion uh, kind of emphasizes on love. And then it says divine love and all its varied expressions. And then it lists the rest of the fruit of the Spirit that you can read there. But it was always about love. It's always about the love of God, coming to know the love of God and realizing that it is because of love that God sent Jesus. It's because of love that we get to be partakers of the family business. 
you don't need to share the gospel with someone. You don't need to minister healing to someone and pray for the sick. You don't need to. But praise God, I get to. I get to minister the gospel to people out in the world. I get to minister to broken people. I get to pray for the sick. I get to ask my, my, my family in Christ to pray for me when I am going through things. We get to do these things because God chose it that way. God chose for us to be co-laborers with him. He could have done it on his own. But he made available to us the spirit of God so that he can now work in us and through us. And that's an amazing miracle that we get to experience on a daily basis. Verse 16 in the New Living Translation says this, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Now here's a call to action. Who are you thanking God for? When last have you thanked God for someone in your life? Who are you thanking God for in your life? And how are you expressing thanks towards those people? As, a, as I was studying the scripture and just preparing in my heart, I was like, man, I haven't, I haven't prayed for, for uh, the family as an as a entirety, the, the, the um, family of Grace of Tigerberg in a while. Um, but uh, I kind of generally pray, but I haven't prayed for every individual uh, in a while where I think about every individual and I speak blessing over them. And so as I prepared, I was like, okay, cool. Like I can't minister this on Sunday if I haven't prepared and if I haven't stepped out on this. And so um, I just took time out and just uh, prayed over every member of the family. So who are you praying for? Who are you thanking God for and how are you expressing thanks towards them? Because love is going to be demonstrated in a way. God didn't just say, hey, I love you guys. He showed it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that what? That he just kind of told us about it. That he just kind of wrote us a letter about it. No, for God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave his only son, Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Who are you thanking God for in your life? Paul was encouraging us and he was praying for these people. I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. This is super important to pray for one another, to pray for one another on a regular basis, to thank God for the people in our lives and to express thanks towards them as well. Now we can learn a lot. Paul prayed um, as, as we're closing chapter one, and that's what we're going to focus on um, for the, the, the duration of this, um, this time together. Uh, Paul's pray in, in chapter one, closing chapter one. But we can learn a lot from what Paul prayed throughout the Bible. What are the things that Paul prayed for in the Bible? Let's look at some of those things. Firstly, and we're not going to look at specific scripture references. Um, there's a whole bunch of scripture references linking to these key things that Paul prayed through throughout the Bible. Now, remember, who's Paul? He's the guy who was Saul. He was persecuting the church of God, seeing the plot completely. And maybe some of you all have felt like that before. You're like, man, I'm, 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 the, I'm the black sheep of, of the family. Like, like God's never going to kind of uh, be able to use me. Um, man, I'm the outcast. I've, I've got nothing behind my name. I f forget about it. Like Paul had, obviously he had his credentials, so to speak, but it was in the completely wrong direction. If you can uh, say it like that, yet God still used him mightily. Now that is a word for us that 
Again, God doesn't use us because of anything we do or anything we don't do. And the word uses oftentimes has got such a negative, uh, obviously, uh, connection to it, but it's really part, partners with us. God, God doesn't partner with us because of anything we do or anything we don't do, anything we've done right or anything we've done wrong. God partners with us because he loves us, because he wants to partner with us. Amen. But so Paul, life radically impacted, uh, experienced the love and the grace of God, became uh, Saul, and then he became Paul, and then uh, writes two-thirds of the New Testament, and really through all of his epistles, really makes known the mystery of God, the revelation of the Spirit of God living in man. And that's what we're getting into in, in Ephesians. But throughout the Bible, throughout his epistles, his prayer life, like these things that we've already uh, talking about, uh, thanking God for the believers. Now, other things that Paul prayed for and that he emphasized in his prayers and ask yourself kind of, how does your prayer life line up with Paul? And Paul does encourage us to not compare ourselves among ourselves. So it's not a comparison in the sense of like, am I as good as Paul or am I like I'm falling short of Paul's life? That is not the reason I'm asking you to think about it. Because we need to realize that if these are the things that Paul prayed for and he, and he um, um, emphasized these things, if we're missing some of these things, we need to ask, why is that? Are we praying in accordance with God's heart and God's will? I want to pray in accordance with God's heart and God's will, right? Anyone in the meeting uh, want to wanna join me in, uh, in praying like that? I want to pray in accordance with God's heart and God's will. I don't want to pray in accordance with my flesh and, and my desires and things like that. I want to pray in accordance with God's heart, God's will for me. Because guess what? If I pray those prayers, those prayers are being answered. If I pray prayers of, I just want another Ferrari and I want this and I want that. And not that Ferraris are bad, guys. Like uh, If you want to bless me with one, like I'm not going to say no. Um, but, uh, it, it's, it's coming in alignment with God's heart and God's will. Hopefully someone laughed. I didn't hear any laughs, um, because you guys are muted. Um, that's fine. Uh, but we want to pray in accordance with God's heart, God's will. So some of the things that came up in Paul's prayer, um, firstly, like we did just look, he thanked God for the brothers and sisters that he had in Christ. He continually thanked people, um, for the, the, the communion that they shared with one another. He, he, he prayed for the Philippian church um, so much for, uh, for thanking them for being partners with his ministry because of their financial contributions and gifts that they, that they gave towards him. So he thanked them for that partnership. So he continually expressed thanks towards them. And then he prayed for wisdom and understanding. And we're going to look at uh, that in, in, in this prayer now in Ephesians chapter 1. He prayed for wisdom and understanding. And that wisdom and understanding was for something specific. It wasn't wisdom and understanding to be a better businessman. It wasn't wisdom and understanding to kind of you fill in the blank. And to be a better businessman would be good because then you can make more money, right? And hopefully not use it just for self-centered reasons. Wisdom and understanding in what? In the reality of our sonship. Wisdom and understanding in the love of Christ for us. Because that will change your life. That will make you the best business person that you need to be. He prayed for peace and unity within the family. Peace and unity within the family. He prayed for empowering. And again, empowering for what? Did he pray for uh, did he pray empowering 
so that the guys can go to gym and bench press double their their personal best. No, that's not what empowering he prayed for. He prayed empowering so that the believers could be more effective. He prayed for empowering so that the church of God can be healthier, so that the family can grow. He prayed for love, love to be overflowing. He prayed for opportunities to minister to the believers. That's awesome. And then he also asked for prayer. He asked for prayer for more opportunity to minister the gospel with boldness and clarity. That's awesome. I love that last one. Even while in prison, guess what he prays? Like he's sitting in prison. He's like, he's writing this letter. He's like, oh, guys, like pray for me. Like so hard here. Like I'm called. Pray that I can be released and pray for me to have another Big Mac meal. I haven't had one now in like a few weeks and I'm really missing, missing Big Mac and McDonald's. No, while he's sitting in prison, and I'm pretty sure it's cold, and he hasn't had a McDonald's burger in a while, and I know McDonald's didn't exist back then, so just uh, I'm taking poetic licensing here. Um, He prayed for more opportunities while being in prison for the very fact of preaching the gospel. He prays for more opportunities. He's asking, guys, pray that I have more opportunities to minister the gospel with more boldness and clarity. That's awesome. I pray that for us, that we will have a boldness and a confidence to minister the gospel. We, I pray for opportunities for us as believers, as God's children, to have many more opportunities to minister the gospel. So those are some of the amazing uh, kind of types of prayers that Paul prayed throughout his epistles. And we can learn a lot from that and kind of ask ourselves, uh, what type of prayers are we praying? Ephesians 1 verse 17 to 19 says this, For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets, in the deep and intimate knowledge of him, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you, and how rich is the, his glorious inheritance in his saints, his set-apart ones, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. Amen. That's super encouraging. And uh, just a few things that I want to draw out for us here quickly. Again, asking the question. Cool. This is a prayer Paul is saying, like, uh, I'm, I'm praying for these things. So what is Paul praying for? Let's look at some of the, the key things. And uh, some of it was listed now, um, as I shared, just uh, in, a, in a broader sense, some of the stuff that Paul prayed for throughout the epistles. In this specific passage, he's praying for wisdom and revelation. Again, wisdom and, relation, uh, wisdom and revelation of what? Insights into the mystery and intimate knowledge. Insights into the mystery. What mystery? The, 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 the mystery of whether um, the city of Atlantis is a real thing or not. The mystery of whether um, uh, the, 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 the city of gold in El Dorado is a real thing. I'm using that as an example now because we watched the animation yesterday. Um, the, the, the city of gold in El Dorado. That's not the mystery that he's asking us to kind of have revelation and be revealing of. But it's the mystery that Paul writes about Colossians 1.27 that... This is the mystery that's been revealed. Christ in you. This is the mystery. And he's praying for insight into this mystery. He's not praying for us to kind of um, 
discover more mysteries. He sprang for insight into the mystery and intimate knowledge into this. God desires for us to have intimacy with him. He doesn't desire for us to have intellectual conversations about him. This is very important. Like what we're partaking of this morning, the, 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 the sharing of the word, the partaking of the word, this isn't for intellectual exercising. This isn't to kind of, man, sit in our homes and listen to a guy talk about words about a God and about a spirit and about a son. Man, this is life-giving. This is life-changing. It's changed my life. I know it's changed many of your lives. This is the the the... The life of God. This is the love of God that has been shed abroad uh, throughout all the world. And the spirit of God is ministering. And the sons of God, us, the, 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 the creation, Romans 8 talks about this, that, that the creation is waiting and expecting. Now, that is not saying that the sons of God are kind of, um, God is kind of suppressing a revealing of the sons of God. God is kind of suppressing and kind of telling you, hey, guys, just slow down, man. They're not ready for you. That's not what is happening. Man, we are, we need to awaken to the reality. We need to, as, as individuals, but as a, as, a, as a body of Christ, we need to awaken to the reality of our sonship, the spirit of God Almighty living inside of me, able to work signs, wonders, and miracles, not just to work signs, wonders, and miracles, but to be a witness of Jesus Christ, his love for us and his power towards us. This is what the world is waiting for. God isn't the problem. God isn't the, the, the one kind of like that we waiting on. A lot of times people are waiting for a move of God while God is sitting on his throne. He's like looking at Jesus and he's like, man, you seated, I'm seated. These guys are waiting for us to do something. <laughs> and they're like, man, we've done what we needed to do. See, being seated means that something is finished. I'm, if, if you've had a long day of work, Man, you come home and you sit down and like, man, I'm done. Like, it, it's good. It was a good day. God, Jesus, they seated. Now, the awesome thing is that we are seated with God in heavenly places. And that's an awesome picture of the reality that we don't work. It's not us working. It's the spirit of God working through us. We just cooperate with that. But that's the move of God. It's us, the body of Christ, moving on God's behalf. And that's something we get to do daily. 24-7 as we just make ourselves available and as we just come to know this reality. Amen. Then Paul also prays for hearts to be flooded with light. So he's praying for this, 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 um, this intimacy into the, 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 the mystery and insight into the mystery and intimate knowledge of, uh, of Jesus and our, our, our oneness with God. And he's praying for hearts to be flooded with light. And that's really awesome. Um, we, we prayed about this this morning as well, that, that in, in John chapter 1, it talks about Jesus coming and, and he's the light of the world. And, and wherever there's light, darkness cannot be. And darkness cannot overcome light. That's an awesome promise from God. Darkness will never overcome light. Yes, we are maybe living in times where things are looking darker and darker. And, and as we are um, uh, entering the end times, so to speak, yes, times are maybe going to get darker, but the light will never be overcome by darkness. Yes, uh, there's uh, uh, people get caught up in end time prophecies and this and that and next thing. We're not called to sidestep the end times. As believers, we're not called to figure out like, okay, cool, is it going to be this date? Is it going to be that date? Like, is this now uh, a, a, a sign of the end times? Like, what if it's a sign of the end times? It doesn't change my mission. Whether this is a sign of the end times or not, this doesn't change my mission and my purpose of today. My mission purpose of today and will be 
whether I see 10 signs of the end times, whether I see 100 times of the end times, whether the end times is coming tomorrow, it doesn't change my mission today of being an ambassador of the love of Christ and touching people with that love and ministering the gospel of peace to every person that I get to. Amen. Hopefully some of you were in agreement about that. I got excited. So he's praying for hearts to be flooded with light. And light is really exposing and eradicating darkness. And darkness isn't always necessarily sin. Sometimes it's just kind of confusion at times as well. Or it's, it's not seen clear. When you're in a dark room, you can't see, right? When you're in a dark room, like you can't see and maybe like your eyes are adjusting and then you can start seeing vaguely. So he's praying for hearts to be flooded with light so that we can see clearly. So that we can see who God is and we can see the reality of our Christianity. And he's praying for knowing and understanding the hope to which you were called, the richness of our inheritance. That's what he's praying for, knowing and understanding. And this is something that is never, we're never going to graduate from knowing and understanding. We're never going to arrive until Jesus reappears and then everything is perfectly known. But until that time, there's a continual growing, a continual knowing and understanding, praying. And Paul is praying for knowing and understanding in this hope to which we are called. Now, there's a lot of things that one can hope in, but there's only one thing that is sure. There's a lot of things and what can open. I can, I can hope. Don't we use examples now because uh, someone is going to be offended at me or take me out, of, uh, take my words out of context and go and post something to Facebook about it and saying X, Y, and Z. I'm joking. It hasn't happened uh, before, but uh, I'm pretty sure it will happen sometime. Um, but he's praying for a hope, the hope to which you are called. There's one hope to which we are called. There's one thing that we can have a hope in and have assurance in. And that's the spirit of God living inside of us and how we've been called. Not to be a doctor or be a teacher or be a a pastor or be an engineer. Those are our vehicles through which we get to live out our calling and our purpose. And your ultimate and primary calling and purpose is a son of God with the love of God has been shed into your heart. And now that love of God is intended to bring transformation in your life to the degree where you are blessing to the people around you, to the degree that you pray for the sick when they are sick, to the degree where you are witness, not just in sharing the gospel vocally, but in witnessing the power of God in the natural, supernaturally in the natural. Okay. So he's praying for this hope and he's praying, to this hope uh, to which the believers were called uh, to the richness of our inheritance. And we've looked at this before and I'm not going to get into that in detail, but our inheritance is the spirit of God. That's the promise of God from the beginning of time. That's our inheritance. It's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of wealth, so to speak, but the inheritance is the spirit of God from the beginning of time. This was the promise to Abraham. And this is the promise that we get to live in. That is our inheritance that will never change. And from having the spirit of God, that inheritance that, that we get to enjoy, we get to maybe see uh, material uh, manifestations of wealth and things like that. But that's not the inheritance that the Bible is talking about and what Paul is praying for the believers to come to know you. Because then if, if it is material wealth and all of these possessions, then shame, like Paul didn't really receive his inheritance, right? There's a lot of believers then that are walking separate from the inheritance, kind of still uh, waiting for, for it. 
so, so much of the um, underground church and um, the, the poverty-stricken nations that have got believers living in, the, in them, they, they're lacking so much inheritance. If it's monetary, if it's material wealth, this inheritance is the Holy Spirit. We need to understand and um, put things in proper perspective. Otherwise, we'll preach a gospel that is a distorted gospel and it will render people ineffective in the Great Commission. Okay. Then uh, lastly, also prayed yeah, in uh, an unlike. He's praying for unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in us and for us. Like he said, like I said again earlier, he's praying for power. He's praying for empowering to be, um, to be awakened in our hearts, to come to know, to realize the spirit of God inside of us. Because the reality is this, the truth is this Romans eight verse 11, that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living inside of you and giving life to your mortal body. That's the reality. That's the, the, the truth of the matter. But we are not necessarily experiencing that reality to its fullness. And that is why Paul is praying for this. That's why we need to pray for this, to understand this, to to come to know this. Why is this available to me? How is this available to me? How can I see the manifestation of this uh, uh, on a more regular basis? We need to ask these questions because otherwise, if we're just settling for for the norm and settling for how things have been uh, done for the last 10 years or maybe for the last five years, however long you've been a believer, however long you've been part of church. If we're just settling for things, nothing will change. We need to continually be open, be humble and be seeking, seeking truth, seeking clear understanding, seeking uh, clarity about the power of God available to us because we want to see that manifest in us and through us. Can I get an amen? We don't just want to be people talking about Jesus. We want to be people living Jesus. And that's a, that's a big challenge. And that's something that we, we need to ask ourselves on a daily basis. Like I, when I walk out of my door, whether I go do grocery shopping, whether wherever I go, like I don't want to just talk Jesus. I want to be Jesus today. I want to love Jesus today. I want to, I want to manifest the power of God. I, just, I don't want to just talk about the power of God. And we're going we're gonna to close and pray in a, in, in a moment. And, and I really believe that um, oh, God just want to minister, min, wants to minister to us. And again, like it's, it's awesome to talk about these things, but then we need to pray and we need to um, uh, expect something to happen. We need to uh, expect results when, we, when we're talking the word of God. Amen. Verse 20 and 21 says, Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. So yeah, uh, he's kind of, he's praying and he's just kind of uh, bringing a conclusion to, these are the things that I'm praying for. And this is why. This is because of what Christ did for us, what Christ accomplished for us, where Christ is seated, we are seated with him and we've got his authority. We've got his backing. That's awesome. An ambassador doesn't represent themselves. They're ambassadors and representatives of someone or a country, a sending party. We are ambassadors of Jesus. Jesus, he's raised from the dead. He's seated at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule. Not some rule, not just the, the whatever rule, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. And this is awesome when we see this in Matthew 28, where Jesus also uh, says this and he speaks out and he says, 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go you therefore. So that is our backing. That is our backing what we are going there for. Going out into the world. Witnessing about the love of Christ. Ministering the gospel. Amen. So he's, uh, he's, he's, he's kind of wrapping this up and he's uh, saying this is why we get to uh, pray this. This is why we get to talk about these things. Verse 22 and verse 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Why did he do this? Why did Christ die? Why did Christ uh, come? Why is all, all authority that is, that is talked about in, in, in Christ? What is it there for? What is it? Uh, what's the, the purpose of this? This, this, this magnitude, this power, this authority. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things. Why? For the benefit of the church. Who's the church? It's me, it's you, it's all of us together. It's every believer in the world. The power of God, the authority that was given to Christ and the power, uh, what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross and the spirit of God poured out for us, that authority is ours now. And it's intended to benefit the church. Now, in what way is the Holy Spirit benefiting you this morning? And in what way can the Holy Spirit in you be a benefit to someone else this morning? Like I said, praying for, as Paul prayed, thanking God for the believers. Expressing thanks to them. Praying for them. Now, there's a benefit that we get to experience as individuals because of this union that we have with God. But then there's also a benefit that the Spirit in, of God inside of you wants to have on someone else, wants to be a ministry to someone else. But you'll never be a ministry someone, to someone else. The church of God will never benefit from your ministry and from the Spirit of God inside of you if you don't acknowledge that this is something that God wants to do in your life and through your life. So you just need to respond to this. You need to just come in agreement with this. Yes, I've got the spirit of God inside of me. Yes, I'm one with Christ. I'm one with God. And yes, I'm in agreement with this fact that there's 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 a benefit that the church, the body of Christ, the family at Grace Life Tiger Book can have through my life. Not just, and it's not just a once-off thing of like, okay, cool. Once a month, I, I give some money to the church. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, man, that's, that's very sucky if that's uh, the, only, um, <laughs> the only way you're seeing that the church can benefit from your life through your finances. And that's awesome. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome part of it, but it's not just that. It's doing life with one another. It's, it's coming to the table and spiritually speaking, life into someone's life, giving someone a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a prophetic ministry over someone's life. That is what I'm talking about. Verse 23, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. With himself. I'm going to read that again. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. With himself, I don't know why there's a um, there's not an S in my notes here, but uh, um, there's an S with my my reading this morning. Um, so this is a beautiful picture, and he closes it off again. Um, Paul is closing off this prayer, and he's really kind of uh, just just sealing it off so beautifully. Jesus, uh, we are His church; we are His body. 
and we are made full and complete by Christ. We're not made full and com- complete by any human being in this world. Not your spouse, not the person you're trusting to be your spouse, not any person, not your pastor. No person makes anyone complete. We are made complete by Christ. We are made full and complete by Christ. Individually, spiritually speaking, but also when we together, we experience a fullness. We experience uh, uh, another dimension of the completeness that we have in Christ when we come together in unity. Who fills all things everywhere with themselves. With themselves. Oh my goodness. Oh. I'm, I'm talking plural here because we're all together here. It's, uh, it's the body of Christ. <laughs> Amen. In closing, I just want to close with asking this question again. So we finished off and we we, we mainly focused on uh, in this morning's uh, gathering on on this this powerful po- uh, prayer of Paul's. And is uh, in the question to ask again, what are you praying for? The things in your life that you're praying for, like what are you praying for? This is this is something to to respond to this morning. Who are you thankful for this morning? Who are you thankful for this morning, and how are you expressing thanks towards those people? This is something that the body of Christ should be known for, for our love for one another, to have a reputation for that. And I'm praying for that, and I'm speaking that over us. And I'm not saying we're lacking in it, but we can always grow more in this area. That we have a love for one another, that we're expressing thanks towards one another. That we're praying for one another. And obviously, I, I don't know when you're praying for me. I don't know how much you're praying for me. You don't know how much I'm praying for you. So there's there's that that thing that kind of we don't know necessarily. Um, but as individuals, we can purpose praying for others. And you yourself know how much and to what degree you are doing that. And it's not a work. It's not a burden. It's just a matter of the love of God inside of you. If you've got a love for someone in this meeting, then that love should be overflowing to, to action. Otherwise, you need to question what, what type of love do you actually have for someone if it's never demonstrating love, if it's never uh, uh, proven by action. It's very important. And then are you desiring to gain deep understanding? And this is something I just want to close off and pray and then uh, just allow um, anyone else to just, uh, uh, yeah, just share a word if there's any uh, anything specific you feel on your heart to to close this meeting off. And, but really, just in in uh, in closing, are you desiring to gain deeper insights and understanding to the mystery? And this mystery, like I said, is the mystery of Christ in us. And this is something that that Paul prayed for uh, a deeper understanding, a deeper understanding in the 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 mystery, but also in in knowledge and intimacy of this mystery. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.